Amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Uh, it's a wonderful time to be in the presence of God and have in the in the presence. Sorry, and and to you know deliver God's word even in the assembly of the saints. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, um, it's a really special day. Because it's, it's a day where the word of grace is impacted to souls. And I think, I don't, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I think the greatest joy, the greatest experience of joy every day is the kind of experience you have where you know God is present in it. Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Uh, with the eyes closed, let's bless the name of the Lord for the word we're about to receive. Father, we thank you for your word that is about to come to us. We thank you, Father, for we know that this word is going to edify us. It's going to change us from within. We thank you, Father, for we know that you are present even right from the jump, right from the start. We exalt your name. Be thou praised and glorified, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus, for your word come to life. Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, I... By God's grace, this morning we'll be I want to be I'll, I'll be tackling something with them. This is the Holy Spirit talking, and um, through me, of course, we'll be tackling something which has been a burdensome question. This is like a question that most believers and even unbelievers ask, and um, because they have not gotten an answer for so long, they stay out of the church. Amen. Amen. They rather just you know just stay at home and stuff like that because it's a but it's a question that has been on their. Or, or if we, some people, some, someone might not even know it's a question. Someone might just see it as an, observ I'm sorry, as an observation. And it's something, you know, they've lived with or they are growing with for years. Amen. Amen. And it's this same question, very simple words, but as great effect in the minds of every man, every woman, every boy, girl, child, or adult. And it's the question of sin conscious or love consumed. Say sin conscious. Sin conscious. Or love consumed. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Sin conscious or love consumed. You know, most people come to church with, um, with you know, I believe the church of God is supposed to be the place of joy. Amen. The Bible says, in the pre where the spirit of, of the Lord is, and the Bible says the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. Amen. So the spirit, we, know that, we, know that, we know that the spirit of God is supposed to bring about, it's supposed to bring liberty to every assembly. Amen. But how come, some people go to church and they leave church with an even greater burden than that which they brought. Amen. Amen. See, the thing is, I, I believe, uh, I believe, I believe uh, uh, that um, if people can, if people can just really discover this truth, I believe we'll have more people turning up in, for Sunday services. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, I, 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 the thing is, most people, most people come to church with the remembrance. Okay, they come to church. Whenever they come to church, they are remembered of their, reminded rather of their sins. Amen. Most people come to church and they are reminded of their sins, even right from the, the, the words of the pastor. 
Amen. We pastors are supposed to pastors are supposed to stand as high priests. And high priests, sorry, high priests or priesthood is a representation. It's supposed to be a representation of God's grace. Amen. Amen. Aaron, the first place where we had the, the first high priest in the Bible was Aaron. Aaron was the first high priest in history. And Aaron's the way God made the brought about the um, uh, uh, shall they call it a test. They all had rods. Amen. And God asked they or them or rather to put their rods somewhere and come back the following morning. And when they returned the following morning, I'm talking these rods are dead, meaning they are woods that have not that have been disconnected from their source, like from their host tree for months or, 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 or years. Now when Aaron came, when they came back the following morning, Aaron's rod had budded, meaning he brought out flowers. Amen. That was a symbol or a sign of God's grace. It is undeserved, unmerited favor. Glory to Jesus. That is what grace really is. From someone that we least expect the best from, or someone we least expect the best things to happen to, the best things happen to them. Amen. Now, high priesthood is supposed to be that position of grace. Amen. Because Aaron did not merit it. Come on, he did not merit it. Aaron was the same person who went in the when they were the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. Aaron was the one who collected their gold and made it into a golden calf. So he was not deserving of that opportunity, but it was grace. Glory to Jesus. Same thing. Everyone who was given the position of a pastor or a leader in a church did not did not merit you did not work so hard that god said oh my god this boy you know you've been working so hard i think i should give you the position of a priest or a pastor no nothing like that at least where i come from you did not deserve it you did not put yourself there god put you there don't be see moses and aaron were brothers but the reason god did not appoint moses as the priest Automatically was because Moses had experienced the angry side of God. He, the, the side of God that speaks anger or that spoke anger. Moses had experienced that. Aaron did not. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Moses experienced that. Aaron didn't. So Aaron was the man fit for the job. Glory to God. Amen. Moses represented the law. Aaron being his brother was a symbol. He didn't represent, but he was a symbol based on his position of grace. So pastors listening, pastors and people around, we should stop having the, the, the mindset of coming to church to be reminded of our sins. We become sin conscious every time we go to church and the pastor preaches condemnation. You are going to be destroyed. The kingdom of hell is pressing hard to get you. And the keyboard just goes, da, da, da. Amen. Amen. Wow, I just use energy for that. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Okay, you might say, oh, what is he saying? What is he saying? All right, let's, um, let's go back to the root of all truth, the word of God. Amen. Very quickly, I want you all to join me. If you have your Bibles, please join me. If you don't have your Bibles, if you just grab your note, sorry, your iPads or your or mobile, sorry, mobile devices and um, whatever device that has a Bible, glory to Jesus. If you still do, if you still do not have a Bible, 
<laughs> please get one. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. It's very, it's, it's free. It's on Apple Store, Play Store, and all the stores. Even my mother's store, we sell Bibles. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. Amen. I was just joking. Now, very quickly, Luke chapter 5, from verse 3 to 9. Luke chapter 5, verse 3 to 9. Um, before we start reading, I'll just explain the context of what this chapter was about. Jesus was preaching one day by the sea. I think it was the Sea of Galilee, if I'm not mistaken. He was preaching okay, by the lake sorry, of Gennesaret. Sorry. So he was preaching and um, just by the lake, the people were pressing, like meaning there was a great crowd. There was a press of people and them. Um, they were really pressing, and Jesus had to step. He had to like leave the shore of. Sorry, he had to leave the shore of land and enter into the boat. There were two boats there, and not by luck or by chance. It was by divine appointment that he stepped his foot or his feet rather into the boat of Peter. Amen. So he told Peter to just you know told him to just move, get out of um of land a little bit so he can address the people very well. And after his ministration, after he was done with the sermon, he returned to Peter and said, now, from verse 3, I read, And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, that's his net, and let down your nets. Take, take note, he said nets, that's the plural of a net, for a draft, a draft, and Simon answering, that's verse 5, answering, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they, had, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net. What? Break. Now, it, Remember I said on the line, nets? Many Peter let down just one net. An unbelieving believer. Uh, amen. amen. Don't say I say that. I said that, but that's the truth. And when they had this done, verse 6, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Verse 7, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship. By the way, they were, that was James and John in the other ship. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Amen. At this point, he wasn't even an unbelieving believer. He was an unbelieving, you know. He just did it because, as, as I word, he didn't really know Jesus. Amen. He was only seen and heard Jesus preach. Yet, you know, we had many preachers at that time. Not quite long from this point or this time, we had John the Baptist. So he didn't know who Jesus was. And now, they came and both and and filled both the sheep so that they began to sink. Now, verse eight. Okay, sorry, verse 3 to 8. When, Jesus, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, listen to this, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Now, what do you think he noticed here? He said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Now, listen. Peter, at this point, became very conscious of Christ's holiness. He discovered that Christ was so pure and was not an ordinary man. In his consciousness of Christ's holiness, he was even more conscious 
or the fact that he was a sinner. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. But I want to, I want to show you something contrary to what we are, we are taught in our churches. The goodness of God came before or after repentance. It came before. Amen. God showed him his goodness. He, he caught a net breaking and boat sinking a vest of fishes. Amen. Amen. But that came not after he repented of the fact that he was unbelieving. He, 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 see, goodness leads to repentance. You don't have to preach condemnation for people to, feel, to, to repent. Amen. Amen. You preach condemnation, you preach guilt. People are now, you know, churches are now banks of, of guilt conscience. You know, guilty conscience. Every day you go to church, it's more like you're going to just, you know, you're going to a bank and you're just going to, to cash to, to the cashier to get more money. Every day, and that's not how it's supposed to be. You go to church and what the only thing you get is more guilt and more burden. That wasn't how God programmed and planned life. See, God's goodness precedes repentance. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, Seeing that, he knelt at Jesus' feet, told him, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. He addressed him as Lord. Meaning he recognized at that point that he was not an ordinary man. And now, do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, arise. That's what he said. Fear not. From today, you shall be a fisher of men. So, grace precedes repentance. And after, repent, sorry, after repentance, there is now a proclamation of, 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 of a call upon your life. Amen. Amen. Pastors, and leaders, and, and um, preachers, and people who are in positions where the gospel are easily heard, or easily heard, rather. I want you to know that Preaching messages that fill people's hearts with burden and guilt and condemnation is not the gospel. That, is, that wasn't the reason why Christ came. If that was the reason why Christ came, after Peter knelt at his feet, he would have said, Peter, you are a sinner. You do not recognize me, O Lord. Uh, was it because I was in your boat? <laughs> Amen. It obviously didn't sound like that. He didn't say that. Are you sin conscious or are you love consumed? On the cross, there were two thieves on the cross and Jesus was in the center. And um, one thief said, I thought you were Christ. Listen, aren't you the savior or Messiah as you call yourself? Why can't you then save yourself? You know what the other thief on the other hand said? Probably his name, the other guy's name was Jack. Was his name. Jack, don't say that. This man knew no sin. He committed no offense. And he turned to Jesus and said, Lord, if you may, that I be with you in paradise. M meaning he has probably been hearing God, Jesus, the message of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Most likely, he has heard, definitely, they were ahead of Jesus based on how they spoke. 
when I've heard of, heard of Jesus. So he said, let me join you in paradise, O oh Lord. Now I want you to ask, um, Jesus must have said, um, okay, uh, uh, sure, sure, thief, sure, thief. Um, but the thing is, you know, you got to repent and, um, you know, reconcile and um, give back to those who you stole from, you know. And the other guy would have said something like, uh-uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I understand, I understand. But, you know, uh, I don't know I don't know if you can see, but I'm kind of stuck. Or be like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus didn't say that. But what did he say? Behold, today you shall be with me. In what? Paradise. Glory to Jesus. So this is the true message. This is the true, sorry, true gospel. The gospel of grace. Repentance in itself that we preach, we preach repentance and we have, we have a, 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 a minute or to no interpretation of what we even say sometimes. Repentance in the Greek means metanoia. Change, metanoia, mind. Change of mind. Repentance means change of mind. So you can preach condemnation and people feel so condemned, sorry, condemned. And when you sing, hi, sorry, no, no, everybody's out, you know, with tears in their eyes. Oh my God, I used to smoke. I don't want to smoke anymore. I want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. No, see, whenever people are more of, I don't want to go to hell. Trust me, there's a problem with the teaching. When your people are more, you know, they are more of, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. That, that is where the trouble com has come from. That, most of the problems we are experiencing now in Christianity had the source from messages that made people feel like hell was designed for them. I'll forever make my stance and establish this ground that God never designed hell for any man. He did not design hell for you. He didn't design hell for me. So unfortunate that some people definitely will land up in hell. But it is God's great wish that every man with no exception of one, be saved. But against his will, and not everybody will want to be saved. Amen. He wants to save everybody. Not everyone wants to be saved. So don't put to anybody like saying, hell is coming. Repent of your sins. See, I am not saying repentance is bad. Repentance is something, see, a change of mind doesn't happen once. Amen. It doesn't happen instantly. It's something that happens constantly. I, I spoke with a friend yesterday and I said, I said, the online church is open to believers, unbelievers, irrespective of how you dress, what you look like. If indeed we, we speak and preach this gospel of grace, which is, the God, which is the one and only gospel, no other gospel besides this, if this is what we preach every day, every time you come, gradually there's a change of mind. As I'm speaking now, your mind is changing and you're your, your perception of certain conceptions is starting to change. Gradually. That is what metanoia really means. Metanoia. Change of mind. That's the Greek. Amen. Amen. That's what repentance really is. Glory to Jesus. Sin conscious or love consumed. How God wants the Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace. Do you know you can only come boldly when you... You can only appear boldly before your landlord... When you recognize the fact that your, your debt has been overpaid. Mm. You didn't get that. You didn't get that. Okay. Let me, let me, okay. All right, let me, let me try that again. Amen. Amen. Say, for example, you owe your landlord and he, he, he's, 
is been threatening you and telling you that he's going to throw you out. And the day he said to throw you out, you are probably lost faith and hope and you have your bags packed already, ready to be thrown out. And you see your landlord at your gate or at your door knocks peacefully and you're worried and you're almost like, oh, probably that's his bouncer or something. And you open the door. And voila, next thing you see is your landlord with a very big smile on his face. Uh, you're not sure. You're like, good afternoon or good morning, sir. And he says, good morning, my favorite tenant. You, at that point, are confused. What is going on? Has he got mad? <laughs> Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. And he tells you that my favorite tenants, someone came, said he was in a hurry, and that he heard of the fact that you owed me some money, and you only owed $5,000, take for example, and he paid me a million dollars. Wow. <laughs> First thing you're going to say at that point is, wow, Wait, what, 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 who, what? You're going to be confused. Amen. Amen. So when, are you, are you going to keep on running from your landlord whenever you see him? In fact, as a matter of fact, you want to see him, even if he, if he, he is your property working, probably working in the market, you want him to see you. You make, you make, you make sure you, 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 you pass, pass by, his, by his front, amen? Just so that he sees you and knows that, ah, oh, my favorite tailor, sorry, tenant, and you're like, my favorite landlord, ha, ha, ha. Amen. Amen. The moment God wants us to come to church with a with 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 mentality, God wants us to come to church with a mentality of our sins forgiven. He wants us to come, you know, how do you, how do you think you appear before God? Let me, let, let, me stay, let, me, let me say that. How do you, how do, what does God think about you? How does God see you? Very quickly, the book of Numbers chapter 23. Okay, Numbers chapter 22 first. Numbers chapter 22 speaks about uh, how, the, how God gave the children of Israel. Um, he, he gave them uh, the idea, not, not an idea. He gave them instructions on how they should settle. So he, he gave them instructions on their settlement and um, he told this one, he told tribe of Judah, uh, go to the east. He told um, tribe of Reuben, Reuben, sorry, go to the south. Ephraim, go to the west. Uh, and um, Dan, go to the uh, north. So he joined more than one tribe. He joined three tribes into one, three tribes into one. And Judah happened to be the longest with 426,400 population. In population, that's number, and uh, Reuben uh, about um, excuse me, one hundred fifty-one thousand four hundred and fifty. Ephraim one hundred eight thousand one hundred. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. And the tribe of Dan was about one hundred fifty-one thousand six hundred. You can check that later. Now, um, there's something here that I'd love to show you. So powerful. Amen. Verse, very quickly, Numbers chapter 23, and in verse 14, straight up, we'll jump to verse 19, down to um, verse, um, okay, let's, let's stop at verse 21. Amen. Before we start reading, let me tell you the context of what is happening here. This, number 23, is actually the story of Balaam. You all know Balaam. If you don't, I'll tell you about him. Balaam actually was a sorcerer or a wizard, whichever one. He was employed by another king, Balak. Balak um, he was employed to place a curse on Israel. 
Amen. So um, he came to Israel, and then he came to the, where they were settled, and uh, he said, this is what he did. All right, let's read. Verse, um, verse 14, he says, And he brought him into the field of Zophim, to the top of Pisgah. Now, um, Pisgah is located eastward to the settlement of, um, of the children of Israel. It's like a mount, a mountain. It's quite high. And um, from there, you can see the old settlement, the way they are settled. Amen. Amen. Now, he brought him to the top of Pisgah, sorry, and built seven altars and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. Uh, it is uh, verse 16, sorry. Let me just read that part. And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go again unto Balak and say thus. Now, verse 19. This is one of the most commonly used verses, but used for the wrongest of all purposes. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said it, and shall he not do it? You would ask, what has he said, and what shall he not do? Amen. Neither, sorry, or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? What is God talking about? What has God said that he has not told us here? Good. Now, by the way, God, this is Balaam talking here. Balaam, I told you, is a sorcerer. And God put his words in the, mouth, in the mouth of that sorcerer. Amen. Very good. Verse 20 says, Behold, I have received commandments to bless. Amen. Amen. And he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. So how does God see you? Blessed. Do you still see yourself broke? Out of funds, short on funds, short on money for your school fees or whatever thing. God sees you blessed. Now you need to start seeing yourself as a blessed man, as a blessed woman, as a blessed lady, boy, girl, child, adult, blessed family. My family, we are blessed. Bible says, Isaiah said, as prophet Isaiah said, I and the children the Lord has given unto me are for signs, many wonders. Glory to Jesus. Praise God. So you need to start seeing yourself as a blessed person. Glory to God. Amen. Now, verse 21, this is, now this is it. This is the part, part I'm, I'm, I'm ending towards and I'm ending to, sorry. Now, most people, like I said, I said people go to church and are reminded of their sins and then um, we assume God looks at us based on how much we've sinned. Glory to God. Amen. Now, this following verse I'm about to read, before you touch it, just pay your attention to me. This is how God actually sees you. Amen. Amen. Verse 21 says, He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither has he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord is God is with him, and the shout of a king is amongst them. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. So when God sees you, does he see you a sinner? Nope. He says he has not beheld, he has not beheld iniquity in Jacob. He has not seen, he has not beheld sin in you either. He doesn't look at you and, sees, and see you as a sinner. God doesn't look from heaven and looks at you, I'm coming with my fire to destroy you, my son. No, no, no. He wouldn't even address you as son in the first place. God sees you forgiven. Amen. Glory to God. God sees you forgiven. 
You know, we, 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 we allow how, what people say about us to get to us. We allow what people think about us to get to us. But in the actual sense, how God sees us remains the same. No pastor can change it. No preacher can change it. No you can change it. And how does God see you? Forgiven. He sees you forgiven. Now, how do you see yourself? A constant and chronic sinner? One who is undeserving of God's goodness? One who is damned for hell? Is that how you should see yourself? If that's how you see yourself, start changing how you see yourself right now. Even from the end of this message, I want you to change yourself, change how you see. In fact, as a matter of fact, just as I'm talking, I just want you to take a pen, go to the back of your journal or a book. I just want you to write everything you think, every negative thing, thing you think and that people say about you. You gossip, even if you actually do those things. I want you to write them down. Okay, they say I'm a, I'm a gossiper. They say I lie. They say, um, they say I'm a thief or that I'm an, um, uh, what's it, whatever thing. I'm an alcoholic, a smoker, a drunkard, whatever thing they call you, just write it down as long as it might be. Okay, I'll advise you write, write down the five most um, important ones. Now, when, once, you're, once you're done writing them, at the end of the service, I want you to now start proclaiming a new thing. Amen. Amen. How God... Now, the children of Israel back in uh, number 23... Verse 21 says something really important. He says, For the shout of a king is amongst them. Now, oh, hold on, before I go there, the power of iniquity. Is God saying now that the children of Israel did not in any way commit any sin? Of course not. As a matter of fact, they had different, you know, there, was, there, were definite, there, were, there definitely were, um, you know, clashes between neighbors. They were talking not nonsense. They were, you know, they, they had little arguments. In fact, they, they spoke evil, they spoke smart, said, they, they spoke smart things, that's, they said bad things, wrong things concerning their high priest, Aaron. Amen. Amen. And yet, God says he has not beheld iniquity. Now, I'll tell you why. Our Numbers chapter 22 explains it. Sorry, Numbers chapter 2, rather, explains it. The way God arranged the children of Israel... And, ah, my God, I, okay, I wish there were visuals, but um, the Holy Spirit will bring you to the light of this understanding. Amen. I remember I said Balaam was standing on the Mount Pisgah, on the mountain of P Mount Pisgah, yeah? And um, you can find, you can, to prove that it was on, it's on the eastern side, you can see that in Deuteronomy chapter 3 and verse 17, it, was, it, sta it, sta it stated there that Pisgah is on the eastern side of the settlement of um, children of Israel. And while standing there, the shape of the settlement of the children of Israel, right? Okay, thank God, the, um, this image is actually the cover photo for this message, so you can actually see it there. The shape of the children of Israel was actually the shape of the cross. You didn't get it, you didn't get it. Judah is the longest with 426,400 people in population. He had the longest and he was the root of the cross. 
on top of it, that that's eastern side, eastern eastwards rather. He was looking from the eastern side, so he saw the eastern part first, which was just directly in front of him, which was the tribe of Judah. 426,400. Just on top of that, in the just on top of that was 108,100 uh, uh, population. That is the tribe of Ephraim. And on the side, we had Reuben, we have Reuben and Dan. Amen. Amen. They all make up the cross. And guess what's in the center? The tabernacle. Amen. Amen. What is done in the tabernacle? Yeah, prayer and stuff like that. But also the offering of the lamb. Amen. Amen. The lamb, a lamb was always offered and the server would just go up to God. And they didn't know, but he was actually reminding God of that same thing his son would do about 1,500 years later. 1,500 years later, God was actually going to send his son to be that lamb whose server was going to eliminate iniquity in God's sight. Glory to Jesus. Amen. So Jesus became the lamb. 1,500 years later. What am I saying in essence? The lamb was in the midst of everything. The lamb was where? In the midst of everything. In, and okay, okay, there's, there's a scripture here. There's a scripture here, sorry. In the book of Psalms 46, this is the same thing. Psalms 46, verse 5, it says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. Amen. Amen. So how does God see you? The shout of the king that God said, spoke through, uh, said, uh, put his words in Balaam's mouth. And Balaam said, in her is the shout of the king. What shout of a king? Of course, the children of Israel were not waking up every day saying, O oh, king, O oh, king, O oh, king. Nope. But the real king was proclaimed by the shape of the cross. God looked down from heaven and God, what God saw was not a people with, with, with you know, with clash and um, with so much filthiness and, and sinfulness. No, that's what, that wasn't what God was saying. What God was saying was the cross, which symbolizes that which his son would come and do 1,500 years later, 1,500 years later. Amen. Amen. So when God sees you, does he see your sins? No. Does he know your sins? Of course he does know your sins. But Bible says, in the book of Romans, chapter 5, and in verse 18, it says, For by one man's sin we all became sinners, but by one man's obedience we have become the righteousness of God. Amen. So God doesn't see you as a sinner anymore. You have now become God's righteousness. By Adam's sin, we all became sinners. But by one man's obedience, he knew no sin. John says it, in, it's, John says it like as this, in him was no sin. He came in the likeness of man. He, he, didn't, he, was, he came in the likeness. He wasn't flesh. Like, I mean, he wasn't carrying the fallen flesh. He came in that likeness. He knew no sin, committed no offense. He made the bad things right, yet he was crucified. Amen. 
He took all the bad that you deserve. He took it on himself on the cross. And all, that, all the good that he deserved, he gave it to you. Amen. And what good did Jesus deserve? The position of sonship. Jesus would always say in his teachings, in my father's house, my father, my father, my father. He would always refer to God as my father, except one time. When he was on that tree called the tree of Calvary. In Calvary, he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He said that, he cried out like that, so that you and I can cry out, My Father, my Father, why hast thou so blessed me? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Why hast thou so loved me? Why hast thou so blessed me? Glory to Jesus. I love the song that says, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, the reckless love of God. He chases me down. He fights till I'm found. Meaning he's ready to go extra mile for you. He leaves the 99. He fights for that one. You and I. Glory to Jesus. So is God, does God, is God out to destroy you? No. And let this be a stone warning to even the musicians. And this is, an, I'll call it an advice. Musicians who emphasize, and even Christians, prayer leaders, and people like that, who, keep, who emphasize on fire, God's fire, and um, something like that. Consume me with your fire, songs like that. Consume me with your fire. Stop singing it. Stop singing such songs. Twice in the Bible and in the old, till, till later, I'll explain why. And what the letter I said is, Twice in the old Bible did fire come down from heaven. And the only, see, whenever you say fire, it means majorly God's fire represents God's wrath, anger, and judgment. Fire is a symbol, is, is, sorry, fire, fire symbolizes judgment, wrath, and anger. Amen. God's wrath, fire, God's wrath, judgment, and anger. The first time fire fell from heaven, it fell on a man called Elijah. His sacrifice. Amen. He dug, a, he, he dug like a pit around the sacrifice, filled it with water. He wet his offering. And yet the fire of, God, of the Lord came down from heaven, swallowed up Elijah's sacrifice. The sacrifice was not enough to take in the wrath of God. Years later, another time the fire came down. It wasn't visible, but it happened. And it was on a man called Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Amen. Amen. God exhausted. Now listen. The fire came down from heaven on Jesus again. The fire of God's anger and judgment came down on Jesus on the cross of Calvary. But Jesus was not consumed in it. He absorbed all of God's wrath, all of God's judgment and anger. Jesus exhausted God's judgment and anger. So God no longer looks at you, a sinner. Why? It's because all the burden of sin in you, you put it on your son. Amen. Amen. So you ask, Emmanuel, are you saying that um, it is impossible to sin? No, I'm not saying that. Oh, it's impossible, sorry, to, you know, to be tempted and stuff like that. No, I didn't say that. But do you know what Christ did? You know, just like um, 
if you have um probably playing with stick or broom when i was a kid and you have a, a splinter like wood stuck in your palm you know that thing that happens i, I think almost everyone has experienced it at one point or the other it happened to me yesterday again <laughs> man so it's called a splinter by the way if you have a splinter in your finger right the splinter is majorly they're mostly made of wood by the way now does that make you wood no You've got wood in your finger, you've got broom in your finger. Does that make you a broom? No, of course. So you got your flesh. Your flesh is fallen. It is sinful. But does that make you a sinner? No! Amen! amen. I'm going to say amen for myself. You guys are not saying amen. Glory to Jesus. So, the splinter in your finger doesn't make you, doesn't make you wood. The flesh you have doesn't make you a sinner. Bible says that you now have the sin, sorry, sin shall have no dominion over you. Amen. Amen. Sin shall have no dominion over you. Doesn't mean it's not there. Oh, okay, you still feel it. If you're controlled by feeling sometimes, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you are you're most likely to um, get lost. Amen. Amen. So, um, the Holy Spirit has come to you to show you the, how beloved, or how much love God has for you. Even people who are, are saying something about, so people like, sorry, let me continue, uh, complete what I said the other time. So people who think about God's love, sorry, God's anger, and sorry, not, yeah, they, say, they, they don't know really about, they're talking about God's anger when they talk about fire, fire from heaven. Please do not ask for the fire to fall on you because when it falls, you cannot absorb it. You cannot take it. Amen. You cannot stand. And it's, do you know whenever the other, the third fire, as what I was going to say the other time, that's going to fall, it's going to fall on those who have slapped the hands of, of God saying, we don't need your help. We don't need you to, we don't need you to be saved. Those people who deny believing in Christ are the ones who are in danger of that wrath. And that is after we the saints have been raptured to heaven. Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus for the millennium reign of Christ. So, God doesn't want to, God is not going to pour out any fire on you. Because like I said, fire represents judgment. I'm not talking about, I'm not, fire within is different. Fire within is the Holy Ghost. Fire from above falling on you is destruction, wrath, anger, and judgment. But God has exhausted all of that on his son on the cross of Calvary. His son absorbed everything and said, it is finished. So what more fire are we requesting for to fall on us and destroy us? <laughs> Amen. Amen. We are not the sacrifice. The lamb is the sacrifice. In those, in those days, the days of the Lord. When, um, oh, okay, okay, sorry. I, I almost forgot. I didn't finish my, my Peter story. <laughs> sorry. Very quickly, for, oh my God. Can you believe I almost forgot? Very quickly, uh, John and in the last chapter, sorry. John and in the last chapter, that's chapter 21. After Christ's resurrection, he appears to his disciples. 
one more time and um, you know this account wasn't really detailed on how on everything Christ said or did more was found in the book of um, Acts and um, yeah and other um, synoptics now it was night and um, on the Sea of Galilee just after Jesus died and resurrected the disciples were they went back to fishing amen the disciples went back to fishing, and um, whilst fishing, they saw a man by the shore of the by the Sea of Galilee on the shore. He was just walking, and he cried out, "Children, children, do you have any fish? Have you caught any fish?" And um, now let's go back to verse that's chapter twenty-one and in verse five. Okay, sorry. Then Jesus says, then Jesus said unto them, "Children, have ye any meat?" They answered him, nope. Amen. Amen. Uh, <laughs> it's real funny Jesus called him meat. Jesus obviously knew that there's no meat in the river. Only fish. So have you ever thought of why he mentioned meat? Because he knows that you cannot find rest outside him. They were looking for the right thing in the wrong place. They were looking for food, comfort, comfort, succor, but in the wrong place, on the sea. Amen. Amen. As a non-believer, even as a believer, sometimes we look for someone who talk to us and make us understand how much God loves us, but we're looking for it in the wrongest of all places. What does God want you to look for? It? In Him. Amen. Amen. Now back to John chapter 21. He says, verse, verse 6, and he, said, and he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore now, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, let me hold on here. John is the only disciple who was referred to as that disciple who, whom Jesus loved. I was thinking of the secret behind it one day, and I listened to my mentor say it. He said the reason that God told him that the main reason why Paul, sorry, John was the only disciple addressed as the one whom Jesus loved, the reason is that that disciple whom, the, whom Jesus loved, that word, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was only found in the epistle of John. Amen. Amen. No other disciple said that about him. He said it about himself. I'm the one who Jesus loved. How you see yourself determines a lot in how you receive from others. See, if you see yourself hated by God, Trust me, you cannot receive from him. He's, he wants to give. He doesn't say because you see him, you see him wicked, he's not going to give you. No, he wants to give you. But you have to open up your heart to receive. Amen. Peter, permit me to go back. Uh, I'll soon bring this to a close. Peter, at some point, 
boasted a lot. As a matter of fact, he, I remember he once told Jesus in the presence of the other disciples, he told, told Jesus, if all of them betrays you, I will never betray you. You know, self-righteousness and self-confidence. God is not saying do not be optimistic. He's saying do not put your confidence in your flesh. Amen. Meaning do not put your confidence in that splinter. That is not who you are. Amen. He wants you to put your confidence in him. Now John would always refer to him. He was the, he was, if, as a matter of fact, John was the only disciple who knew the person who denied Jesus. If you read it very well, he was the only disciple that knew who denied Jesus. The only one. And how did you know? He was resting on, in Jesus' bosom. His heart was very close. His head was sorry. His head was very close to the heart of Jesus Christ. He just when Peter asked him, ask, ask the Lord. You know, so when 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 Jesus said, "Someone will deny me," all the disciples started looking at each other's faces. The moment you start looking at, each, your, at other people's faces, you never will find the answer. But look up to Him, who is the author and finisher of your faith, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. John did not look at Peter. Peter looked at John. And asked him, and said, ask the Lord who it is. And John being very close in terms of even positioning and space, so Jesus just asked, who is the person? And Jesus told him, the person who shall dip his hand into the same plate to eat with me. He was the person, always the person. And he knew, John knew it was, it was Judas at that point. Glory to Jesus. John knew he was knew it was Judas because he heard Jesus tell him. Jesus told him that whosoever would dip his hands and sup with me. So see the moments how the reason we find it really hard to love God, even as Christians, is that we rely on our love for him. We rely on the wings of our love for him. See, human love is imperfect. And another time I'll preach on more, even there are some more details in this book of John chapter 21. I'll preach on that later. But human love fluctuates. Our love is controlled by emotions and feelings. Um, a husband who so dearly loves his wife can buy the word for his wife, catches his, or finds his wife or finds out that his wife is cheating on him. He gets so angry and he says she was not deserving of this kind of love. Amen. That is man. That is, that is man-made or uh, that's the man-made idea of love. And that is the only, that's the kind of love that exists between us and everybody else. That's the highest love we can give. That is the highest love we can give. We cannot give anything better or even more than that. But you know, there was a woman caught in the act of adultery. She was dragged to meet Jesus by the Pharisees. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus looked at them and said, If any of you is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And all of them, from the eldest to the youngest, I don't know, I guess the, elder, the more older you grow, the more you sin. <laughs> Amen. From the Bible says, from the eldest to even the youngest. They all turned and left. Now, do you, now, listen to what Jesus said. Did Jesus say, woman, 
Now you have to repent. Did he say that? No. He said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? And she says, They are no more. I can't see them anymore. And Jesus says, So do I. I do not condemn you. Amen. Come on. She was caught in the act. This wasn't fake. They didn't fake it. It was true. She was actually caught in the act. But I don't know from where I come from. There are usually two people in. There are usually two people involved in adultery. I don't know. They only brought the woman. Maybe the man was one of the Pharisees. You don't know. The only brought the woman, and she, it was true. She was caught in the act of adultery. But Christ did not condemn her. He says, "Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more." But here the church have it, the church has it otherwise. The church says, "Go and sin no more. Then we will not condemn you." But Jesus is saying, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. Amen. Amen. I pray that the light of the understanding of this word floods the heart of every man, woman, boy or girl, pastor, leaders, deacon, deaconess, everyone in the body of Christ. I pray the light of this understanding enters your hearts. In Jesus' mighty name. Because... Jesus, will, Jesus is not out to condemn you. He says, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. But the church, like I said, has, they have the other way around. Go and sin no more. They will not condemn you. And remember, you see, you see someone got saved yesterday. You see him smoking the next day. And um, you say, ah, he's not, uh, he's not a child of God, you know. This brother is a fake man. A fake man. A fake. Uh, mm -hmm, fake. Fake. That is not, that's not how God sees you. See, the moment you got saved... You became the righteousness of God in Christ. But church has other other way around also. They say the moment you get saved, you walk towards righteousness. But no, God is saying the moment you were saved, you became the righteousness of God in Christ. Say, I am, I am. the righteousness of God in Christ. I want you to proclaim this every day you wake up. Every day. Keep saying to yourself, people say, oh, you're too fat, you're too thin, you're too this, you're too that, big head, small head, big whatever, whatever thing, big thumb. <laughs> Amen. Big lips. <laughs> Amen. They can say anything about you. But you look at yourself every day in the mirror, you so catwalk, you know, with a swag, and you just put your, put your... You strut a little bit, you know, put your swag on and say, uh-uh-uh, I don't care what other people say about me. But what I know about myself is I, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, see, the aftermath of realizing how much God loves you is this that happened to Peter in this same John chapter 21. As I bring this message to a close, it says, verse 7 says, Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter. Remember in, 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 the, in the last supper, Peter turned to him. Amen. And asked. He said, ask this master, ask the Savior who he will be. Now this time around, John turned to Peter. See, when you are, John is overwhelmed in Christ's love. When you are so overwhelmed with Christ's love, you want to bring people to the same light of Christ. You want to bring people to Christ. Amen. You want to just, you know, share the joy with them. But when you're so self-righteous and you're so used to condemnation, guilt, you do what? You jump all the way around. You know, you just, uh, I'll, I'll explain. Now, 
It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girds his fishes coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. For kind of like he was the middle of the night, the meaning of the sea was cold. But still he swam to meet Jesus. That is love. Amen. Amen. Bible says in the book of 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17, it says, Hearing is our love made manifest. See, we can only love God when we realize that He loved us first. We love Him because He first loved us. See, the moment you try to hang on the wings of your own love, see, our love, human love, is wavering, not sure. But God's love is unconditional. Hard times, bad times, sad times, your times of denial, when you even deny Christ, like Peter did, there's a restoration, and what happens? You are still consumed in God's love. Do not be filled with your own love, and do not try to measure people's love for God by how much they, you actually, how good you actually see them sing, and things like that. No, don't measure people's love for God by how well you see them speak in tongues. No, don't measure people's love for God by how, how many times you, you see them in church. Don't do that. That's a really bad way to start, even in, in, in terms of, 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 bringing, of winning souls. But instead, let those same people know how much God loves them. Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God. So Peter was filled with joy. And he ran towards Jesus. If he wasn't, if, 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 if at this time he was not restored, and if he still felt guilt, he still felt, if he was still conscious of his sin at this point, instead of jumping into the sea to swim to Christ, he would have jumped backwards. He would have jumped into the sea to hide from Christ. Amen. Or probably when the disciples get to shore, you know, he's going to just use the other disciples to just block himself. Don't let me see him. Don't, no, come on, come on, cover me. Don't let me see him. Don't. Amen. But he wasn't sin conscious. He was love consumed. He was consumed in the love of Christ. Just like Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, he says, For this hope maketh not ashamed. He says, the meaning of that is that this hope is not the hope that makes you to blush in shape. For the love of Christ was shed abroad. Across our hearts, even with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit makes you understand how much God loves you. So you see yourself doing what you think. See, if you, okay, probably you, you, get, you, you lose your anger and stuff like that, and you think you're not in right standing with God. No, 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 don't do that. As a matter of fact, do not judge your stand in Christ by your behavior. Amen. Oh, I behave badly. Probably I'm not understanding so right in front of Christ. I lost my temper. I'm probably I'm not standing so right. No, don't judge yourself like that. But judge your behavior by your standing in Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm a child of God. I, can, I won't do this. I cannot do this. I'm not allowed to do this. Amen. Amen. We have freely received the gift of salvation. Do not let anyone talk you out of your salvation. You were saved once and for all. See, we are saved once and what? For all. It says that um, Hebrews chapter, one, chapter 10 and verse 1, sorry, verse 10, in the Amplified Version, it says, By which will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once 
for all. Amen. Amen. In the Greek, that is a double negative, or no, which means once done, never to be repeated again. So you are saved once and for all. Don't let any pastor, anybody tell you or talk you out of your salvation. Do not let your friends talk you out of your salvation. You are saved once, you are saved for all. Once and for all. Till eternity, you are saved. Amen, church. Amen. So do not let anybody talk you out of your salvation. Do not let anybody make do not let anybody make you feel any less than you are than you are in Christ. Every day they try to talk nonsense to your head and tell you you cannot make it. Um, this you know people in our family we don't really do this. We are not you know uh, I'm sorry females don't really do this. Males are not supposed to do this and blah 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 blah. You know you're too fat for this job. You're too thin for no 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 no. Or uh, you know you have a really big lip. <laughs> you know you, you won't fit for this job. You know you cannot be a model. No no no. Do not pay attention to any of that. Maintain the fact that I am the righteousness of God in Christ at all times. Do not let what people say get to you. Do not let anybody talk you out of your salvation. In fact, you do not need to prove your salvation to anybody. You don't even need to prove. You don't. You don't need to prove your salvation to God. He saved you. He knew yours. He knows you are saved. You only need to prove it to yourself. So you wake up every. You wake up every day. You wake up to your mirror and say, "I am the righteousness of God in Christ." Hallelujah! Be in your feet, everybody. Amen. I want you to know that at all times, God loves you so dearly. He sees you sanctified, and in you, He sees the proclamation, the shout of a king, which happens to be His son. His son that shed His blood on the cross of Calvary. He loves you so dearly. Perhaps you have not been introduced to this love and you so want this kind of love, the love that you do not deserve in any way. I want you to just bow your heart this very minute and say these words after me. Let's say it together. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this life that I do not deserve or yet you have blessed me with. I thank you for this love that supersedes all human intelligence and wisdom. Father, I accept you to be my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer, my Father. I want to wake up every day and cry out, Abba, why have you so loved me? Why have you so blessed me? Thank you, Father. I bless your name. Amen, 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 in Jesus' name. If you just said this, that prayer, please reach out to us via email. That's techurch at gmail.com. Just reach out to us and um, we'd we'll love to receive your name, your testimony, and how God has blessed you even in the course of this message. Whatever thing you questions you have about you know, your faith and stuff like that, just um, write to us and hope, by God's grace we'll be sending you some resource materials and um, to keep you, you know, on track. Amen. Lift up your right hand to everybody. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the life that I have received. That for I do not merit it. I do not work for it. I do not deserve it on any scale. But it was made available to me by Jesus Christ. For indeed, it is not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. It is not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. It is not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. For his death on the cross of Calvary has availed to me the position of the righteousness of God and Christ. I am 
the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you very much. God bless you. And um, see you next week. Thank you for listening, friends. We love to hear from you. God loves you. Stay in grace.